Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, what up, what up? We're back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. We're talking CSU Iowa. Before we do, it's stressful trying to buy a house right now. If you've attempted this process, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The housing market is crazy in Colorado. Let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They're going to alleviate so much stress and just take some of the worry off your plate. Their entire goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind, with the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. Mike and Virginia are DNVR members. They're proud CSU alum, and they work nights, they work weekends to make sure their clients are getting the best loan for their situation. They actually have a fun perk for DNVR listeners right now. If you visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. You can also call Mike directly at 970-412-2472 or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Shout out Chevalier Mortgage, y'all. We actually got a, a live shout out for them on DNVR Rams late night after the Toledo upset last weekend. That was awesome. Really cool to see, you know, the community really benefiting from some of these partners. But speaking of DNVR Rams late night, I will be live again Saturday evening, two hours after the CSU Iowa game ends. I imagine it'll be around 6.30 p.m. ish. That is mountain time, of course. Maybe a little bit later. I just imagine CSU and Iowa are both going to really run the football a lot, and so I, I could see this being a quicker-moving game, which, you know, as a, from a media side, I'm never going to complain over that. But obviously, just a, a really big matchup for the Rams this weekend. It's, you know, there's, there's different schools of logic when it comes to these guarantee games. I do understand that in a season as short as college football, taking what... It's not a guaranteed loss. Obviously, nothing is a guarantee in college football, but other than the money CSU is making for this game, obviously upsets happen. But the thing is, is you know, it's it's essentially a loss on paper going in. You basically accept that going into the season, and in a season as short as college football, I understand why some people are like, "Why would you do that?" You know, you're sacrificing one twelfth of your opportunities to secure a win for bowl eligibility, which is really the goal. But the truth is, when you're only bringing in about $4 million annually from TV money, when you can bring in $1.35 million on one game, you kind of have to do that. And also, I mean, it's, it's a fun experience for the fans. I think 
if you're going to schedule road non-conference games, obviously you want winnable ones because you want to reach the postseason. But it is good to do stuff like this. I mean, the trip to Tuscaloosa was the most incredible thing that I've got to do in college sports. The trip to Duke for hoops is up there as well. I mean, it was just an incredible experience. It's fun for the alumni, and it's fun for the players. I mean, having talked to them about it, they're like, yeah, I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. Playing at Bryant-Denny Stadium, coming out for 100,000 people and competing with them. I mean, CSU scored the third most points against Alabama that anybody scored in that 2017 season. So that was a that was a moral victory. You know, they lost that game, but it was a moral victory. That's kind of the premise of today's show, for being honest. I, I hate going into a matchup with that mindset already, just knowing you're probably going to lose because, I mean, you never want to be like that. But when you're going up in a hostile environment against a top five team, against a team that looks like they're going to compete to to win the Big Ten this year, you got to be a little bit realistic. I mean, you want the players and coaches to go in at trying to win and, and wanting to win and hoping to win. I mean, you don't want the players to go in just thinking we're going to get our asses kicked because that's that's not the mindset to have. But I mean, at least from a fan's perspective, from a talking head's perspective, whatever you want to call me, I hate that term talking head, but I guess it technically is what I am. But just playing a competitive game showing you can hang with them, even if you end up losing in the end. I really do think that can have a positive impact on a team moving forward. I think we've seen it in the past. And my best case, or my best example of this, I should say, is that 2013 season. CSU starts the year 1-2, and and in week two, they dropped a game 30-27 to at Tulsa. If you've ever listened to this podcast, You know how much that game still irks me to this day. The Rams had so many opportunities to win. It was just a really dumb game on the road. They couldn't get a stop late. Anyways, they lose that game, and and things are looking pretty bleak at that point. I mean, you got to remember, it's year two of Jim McElwain. Everybody is kind of expecting CSU to turn the corner at that point. You see the talent. I mean, you see what you have, and, and Garrett Grayson at quarterback, and you know, Rashard Higgins at wide receiver. That was a little bit before the emergence of Capri Bibbs. He came on stronger, really from that Alabama game on. But they've got, you know, Shaq Barrett on defense, Bernard Blake on defense, Grayson Higgins, Crockett Gilmore. They've have a stellar offensive line with Sam Brylow and Richburg and all these studs. And, you know, you kind of start to feel like this team should be turning the corner, but they lose to CU in week one, 21, uh, 41 to 27, lose week two at Tulsa, 30 to 27. Beat down Cal Poly in week three, you know, not much, but it's still a win, I guess, on the schedule. And after that, they go to number one, Alabama. Now, if you remember this game, Alabama jumped out to a 17-0 lead. CSU cuts it to 17-6 with a couple of field goals, and they're driving at the start of the fourth quarter with an opportunity to cut it to a one-score game. And unfortunately, a Garrett Grayson fumble kind of took the sails out of their comeback effort. But it was a strong showing. And, and you were able to see that they were able to make plays against that team. And from that point, they ended up closing out the year 7-3. and three. They still lost a couple of weird games. Uh, lost 34-27 to 27 to San Jose State. I mean, that 2013 season was like really a couple plays away from being a 9-win year, if, if not even a 10-win year before. And, and then... That would have been interesting because you wouldn't have gotten the New Mexico Bowl game against Washington State. But their spark kind of started with that game at Alabama. And I mean, Richard Higgins had a famous interview where he talked about it. You know, he just kind of realized, like, 
these guys are just like us. Like, we can make plays too. And Shaq Barrett said similar things. I mean, they, they beat Wyoming on the road 52-22 to that year. They played a tight game against Boise in which they were up early. They scored 66 against New Mexico, beat Air Force 58-13 to in the home finale. That 2013 season was so fun, man. I, I know the 2014 run was a little bit more appreciated on a national level, but I think I enjoy that 2013 season more when I look back just because it starts with the frustration. You go on the road. Nobody expects you to hang with Alabama, but you do. I mean, that game was closer than the 31-6 to score indicated. You beat the hell out of Wyoming on the road, beat the hell out of Air Force at home. I mean, it, it, and then it ends with the most exciting bowl game of, of all time in, in the Washington State game and the Shaq game. God, that was such an awesome man. I, I watched the 2013 New Mexico Bowl at least twice a year. It's a long game, too, because there were a lot of clock stoppages. Both offenses were, were really executing at a high level but it's worth it and it never gets old and it always makes me feel pumped afterwards. It's just one of those special games. I mean, it's kind of like the, the Boise state, Oklahoma game back in the day that, you know, before everyone in the mountain West hated Boise state, that was before they were even in the mountain West. So we didn't have to, that was when they were a G five team that everyone could root for. And before they got this massive inflated ego, but like everyone will remember that flea flicker play for the rest of time, I mean, and it's the same deal with the Shaq Barrett strips or the Donnell Alexander diving for the pylon and reaching out and the ref originally calling him out of bounds. Like, what the hell were you looking at? That's a whole other side rant. But that 2013 season was just fun. And all of it started with that Alabama game and seeing that you could compete with the best of the best. It wasn't exactly the same circumstance in 2017 because he started 2-1 and one before going into that game. But after you go and you hang with Alabama and you actually, one of my favorite moments was after CSU went for two in the fourth quarter, Nick Saban put the starters back in. You could tell he was pissed that that game was as close as it was. Classic Petty Saban move. He is my hero. But after going and, and hanging with Alabama, they have a deceptively really tough game to open up conference play at Hawaii. Not even because of the talent you're going up against, but that was back when they still had uh, Cole McDonald at quarterback. So they, you know, they were pretty potent offense under Nick Rolovich, but they win that game 51 to 21. And anytime you can go to Hawaii and execute like that, that's big time. And after that, they go to Utah state and win a really tough game, 27, 14, come back, beat a good Nevada team, 44, 42. And I mean, Arkansas, the Oregon state home opener and that Nevada game, I think are probably the most exciting home games in Canvas Stadium. Obviously, the border war was cool in 2020, but there were no fans. That Nevada game was a thriller. And then they beat New Mexico on the road 27-24 in a game that was probably closer than it should have been. But going 4-0 in conference play to start, three of which were on the road, I, I really do think playing well against Alabama just kind of gave that team some confidence. Maybe if that were to happen this year at Iowa, it could be a similar spark for CSU. I mean, that that game at New Mexico, the game at Utah State, I think both of those are significantly tougher than you probably anticipated coming into the year. But they're they're still winnable. And honestly, as good as San Jose State's defense is, their offense has not been clicking. And I'm not trying to take a victory lap here, but everyone was all over Nick Starkle 
And, you know, they're taking him second team preseason all conference behind Carson Strong, but over Jake Hayner. And I was just like, did you guys watch last season? Did you watch the plays Hayner was making? And now Hayner's obviously come out and just had an awesome start to the year. That Rose Bowl performance in the UCLA upset was top notch. I mean, that was movie stuff. He was just getting his ass kicked and limping in between plays. And then as soon as the ball snapped, he's just delivering perfect balls. Go straight down the field and score and rip UCLA's heart out. Excellent. He's a stud. Getting back on track, though. Starkle and San Jose State's offense, they've, they've left a lot to be desired. And the thing is, they just they had to travel a ton. They just went to Hawaii. Now they're at Western Michigan. And then they come to CSU. I mean, with no bye week in between, that's, that's a lot of travel. That can really wear on a team. I like CSU's chances to be competitive in that and maybe even steal an upset. But it all starts with Iowa this week. We have seen this team make progress. I know the Vanderbilt game was brutal. It was brutal. But the defense obviously played significantly better after getting punched in the teeth by South Dakota State. And then they took it up to another level at Toledo. I mean, 10 tackles for loss, 6 sacks, holding them to a half a yard per carry. They completely shut down Kobach. Dude, they went for four touchdowns against CSU not two years ago. Like... It's really been significant improvement on that side of the ball. We have seen improvement on special teams. They're running the ball more effectively. Really, the area where they're still lacking is just kind of a consistent passing offense outside of Trey McBride and Dante Wright. The secondary has been inconsistent, but they've got a lot of guys injured, and we knew that depth was going to be an issue there. It's not shocking, to say the least. You've got Thomas Penunzio, who they wanted to play wide receiver, they had to put him back on defense. He's now your starting nickel corner. You got Robert Floyd, a walk-on, playing significant snaps. I mean, they they don't have a lot of depth there. Now, let me get this straight. You know, the whole let's talk about positives thing, that's going to fall on deaf ears if you keep losing games. Because at the end of the day, it's a results business. And that was, you know, what Mike Bobo used to always say. It doesn't matter if we're making progress if we're not winning games. And that is true. But it's early in the season. And so there is an opportunity for this team to kind of right the ship a little bit. And, you know, maybe going 3-0 and to start conference play is un- unlikely, probably not going to happen. But it's not impossible either. And if you were to do that, after losing the Iowa game, you're sitting at 4-4 four and four with a chance to control your own fate down the line. I think Air Force is beatable this year. Wyoming is playing really, really tough. But I don't think they're so explosive offensively that that game is not winnable either. So there's just a lot to play for still. I mean, all of the frustration is warranted from the fan base. I'm not telling anybody that what they've been feeling is wrong. I'm just pointing out that there also has been reason to believe that there is a realistic scenario in which CSU could kind of turn around and be competitive in Mountain West play. So we just kind of have to see, you know, we we got to see, and it's going to be really interesting to see how CSU responds at Iowa. What is their mindset like? You're coming off the high of a, a big-time road upset. Can you come out with your backs against the wall swinging again and you know, maybe shock them a little bit? If you go down, can you keep fighting like CSU did in 2013 when they went down 17-0 to Bama but kept fighting and it again had an opportunity to cut it to one score? I mean, you're 23 and a half point underdogs in this. If you're a competitive in this game, you know, if you compete, if you make it interesting, to me, that there's, that's something you can build off of. 
All right, I've got some Adazio audio that I'm going to play for you guys. I just kind of asked him if, if there's a freedom with being big underdogs and kind of what CSU's mindset is going into this. I also have just a couple of keys for CSU to keep this game close. Before we dive into those, though, got to shout out the homies over at DraftKings. It's been a great start to the NFL season, and it's only getting better with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is kicking off another week of action by giving all new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet $1 on any football game this week. Receive $150 in free bets instantly, no matter what. This football season, all customers can swing big with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Same Game Parlays allow you to combine multiple bets for a bigger payout. This week, place the Same Game Parlay on any NFL game and you will be credited up to $25 if your bet loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. The best part is you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR to receive $150 in free bets instantly when you place a $1 bet or more on any football game this week. That promo code DNVR. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Speaking of DraftKings Sportsbook, it's time to give you my DraftKings Pick of the Week. DraftKings Pick of the Week. I'm going with Utah State to cover the 9.5 point spread at Boise State. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think Boise State's going to be able to score a ton of points on Utah State. I also think Utah State's going to score on Boise State. Based on what I've seen so far, nobody has been able to slow down this passing attack from the explosive Aggies. I like their opportunity to cover that spread. I just feel like it's a little steep given based on what we've seen. I do think Boise probably pulls it out in the end. Wouldn't shock me if Utah State pulled an upset, I'll say that. But my DraftKings pick of the week is Utah State to cover that 9.5 point spread at minus 110. Lock it in. Uh, been, been pretty successful lately, so I hope this one cashes in for the DNVR Rams fam. All right, like I said, I will play some Steve Adazio audio here in just a second. But I think if CSU is going to keep this close against Iowa... You're going to have to force a turnover to <laughs> Iowa's been really disciplined so far, other than, you know, a couple of fumbles from their backup running back in that Iowa State game. They've really protected the football. Spencer Petras has had some issues with it in the past. If you listen to the podcast we did with HawkeyeReport.com, you know, he's he's had some turnover issues in the past. He's been a little prone to bad throws, to making some wonky decisions. CSU, they've really been able to get after the quarterback lately. I wonder if you can generate some pressure. Maybe you can force a bad decision or two. I mean, there might be a chance there. The thing is, is if they come, you have to capitalize. The Rams, they've always over the years, it feels like their DBs have kind of had stone hands. I'm not trying to take shots, but I just I have so many different memories of DBs dropping picks. Henry Blackburn should have had a pick six last week. It hit him right in the hands. He couldn't bring it in. He had a great game. He was playing injured. I'm not going to dog him for it. But if the if the opportunity presents itself, if there's a fumble on the ground, jump on it for God's sakes. I don't. I still don't understand how they didn't recover that Scott Patchen strip last week. It was on the ground for what felt like a freaking eternity. Have a little. Even if you're not sure, just dive on it. Like that's that's middle school shit. If we're being honest, that's really frustrating. But you got to make the plays when they're there. You know, if there's a fumble to be recovered, if there's an interception to be had, you have to make those plays. On top of that, 
you got to score when you can. This Iowa defense, they don't give up a lot of points. So if you have an opportunity to make a field goal, if you have an opportunity to score a touchdown in the red zone, you better damn well do it because points don't come easy against this team. And kind of on that same line, you got to win field position. There's probably going to be a lot of drives that stall. I think this game has the second lowest over under total in the entire country. The Vegas is not expecting a lot of points to be had. Two of the better punters in the country as well. Adazio talked about that on Monday. One of the things that's really benefited Iowa this year, one, because of their tremendous defense, two, because of their tremendous punter, they have consistently played on short fields offensively, and their opponents have had to go against the long field when Iowa's on defense. CSU, to have a, a good opportunity in this, you got to try and win that. You know, Stonehouse has got to be able to pin him deep, put it out at the corner. Gunner's got to s- prevent the ball from going across the goal line. Like, it's the little things in a, in a matchup like this that really add up. And if, if you have an opportunity to pin somebody deep, cough and corner them, you got to do it. You got to do it. And then the last thing here is, I think just be aggressive. I mean, you got to be smart. Obviously, if you're Todd Santeo, you can't be forcing balls. If you turn the football over, that's going to bury you. But I do think you're going to have to take some shot plays so that they can't just stack the, the front against you. I, I do think Chuck Heater is going to have to dial up a lot of blitzes. It'll be interesting to see how Iowa handles that. Because the one thing I didn't understand about Toledo, they never tried any screens. They never tried any swing passes, like anything to, to alleviate that pressure. They just kept letting the Rams come at them all night. I imagine we'll see a better approach from Iowa, but you got to be aggressive. I mean, you're 23 and a half point underdogs. What do you have to lose? You might as well come out with your fist swinging. So that's my perspective on this matchup. Really intrigued to see how CSU responds. I think this is a very important game. I think it can be a foundational moment. I also wouldn't be surprised if the Rams got kind of ran in this one. I mean, Iowa has looked like the best team in the Big Ten. They, they genuinely have. I'm not trying to talk them up or, or make excuses. They just they look very complete. Before I play that Steve Adazio audio, I want to mention that we will have the McBride Brothers autograph signing at Shields on October 4th. That is the Shields in Johnstown, 5 7 p.m. Great opportunity for the community to show support for these guys. They obviously profit off these t-shirts, which is really cool. We've got the Brothers McBride shirt with Toby and Trey. We also have the homegrown Trey McBride shirt. I mean, these are two guys that have been as dedicated to the program as anyone. They certainly deserve it. And it's a cool opportunity for you guys to get an autograph from them. I mean, get those shirts signed and maybe frame them. Maybe you keep wearing it. It's up to you. But it's going to be a really cool event, and I hope to see a ton of you guys out there, whether you're from Fort Morgan, Fort Collins, metro area. Do not miss out on this event. Also, if you're looking for a place to watch the game, come on down to the DNVR bar. Did that sound like <laughs> the price is right? That was my that was my hope. Anyways, it is going to be popping. I imagine there will be a couple of Iowa fans there as well. There seem to be a lot of people from Iowa in the Denver metro area. I don't, I don't know if that's just in my head, but it sure seems like it. But I, I think it's going to be fun. I'd, I'd really love for the DMVR bar to be the official you know, spot for the Rams diehards in the metro area. I, personally, I think our food is some of the best by far. We've got great vibes in there. The, the whole thing is great. You can pick up a CSU shirt if you're feeling it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Come on down. That starts at 1.30 p.m. Hope to see you all there. Uh, Make sure you're tuned in to DNVR Rams Late Night. Again, that's about two hours after the game ends. We will be doing that for every football game this season and still figuring out our basketball plan as well. So lots of big stuff happening. 
Thank you to everybody that continues to support the content. I'm Justin Michael. This is the DMVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. And here is that audio from Steve Adazio talking about the game and whether there is some freedom with being big underdogs and whether it puts more pressure on you when you're expected to win big like Iowa. Steve, is there some freedom that comes with being big underdogs in a game, just given the fact that you know people expect Iowa to play really well? You mentioned they're in the conversation for the playoff. Any slip-ups could you know, mess that up. Is there some freedom when you guys can just come in there and be like, you want to know what? Let's just play ball. Justin, excuse me. Justin, you're going to, what happened was your volume was down. Oops, sorry. So I didn't hear you from the beginning or our volume was down. So I didn't hear you from the beginning. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah. Is, is there some freedom that goes into just being, you know, kind of big underdogs in a game? Cause obviously you've been a top team. People expect you to perform at a high level. You know, maybe it's a close game at the end of the first quarter or something. Do you think, you know, maybe they might tense up just given, you guys don't have a whole lot to lose. Well, sure. I mean, what you're saying, yeah. I mean, I, I think, but, so let me answer that the right way. Yes, but no. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we approach every game the same way. Like, look, we're going to Iowa to go beat Iowa. We're not going to have a good first quarter. We're not going to keep it close. We're going to beat Iowa. And I really believe that, and our players believe that, and that's our mindset. That doesn't mean that we don't believe that they're one hell of a football team, because we do. They are. But, you know, you can't – there's no other way to approach it, and nor would we. And um, so – but, sure, you're the, I've, I've been in the top – I've been in the program as number one, number two, number three, number four, number five – and when you're in those places, you know, every week, you know, people are judging you at a different level and they're ticked off. If you play a team close, they're ticked off. If you, you know, who knows what, right. You know, um, but I would say this to you, this team with coach parents, I just think there are really disciplined, well-coached. Like, I don't think this is a team that's going to drink the Kool-Aid. You follow me? Like, some teams drink the Kool-Aid. I don't think this team's going to drink any Kool-Aid. I think they're a lunch pail outfit that's going to show up and play their tail off. You know, so, you know, I don't know if there's any of that stuff going to go on with this program. Some programs, you know, sometimes they drink the Kool-Aid a little bit, and that's when you get vulnerable. This, this won't be vulnerable team. For us to go beat this team, we're going to have to take it. And that's obviously a tall order. But our mindset is we got to go in and take it. They're not going to give it to us. That won't happen. You know, so, um, you know, we've got to have a great plan and we got to make sure we put our kids in position to, uh, you know, to play a clean game. We don't want a mistake filled game. That, that won't work out. Is it easier to have that confidence? Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Is it? No, is sorry. It, go ahead. Is it easier to have that confidence just after going? You know, you've mentioned Toledo's a really good team. You went into their house. They didn't score a touchdown. You beat them by double digits. I mean, you you said you weren't worried about losing the locker room, but is it easier to feel that confidence now that you punched a good team in the mouth a little bit? Sure. I mean, yes. 
I wasn't worried about losing the locker room one way or the other, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in football, like in anything else, when you work and work and work and you invest and you invest and you invest, it's always nice to see a little return. A little return can only help you, right? It doesn't mean if you didn't get it, you're going to pack your bags in. I mean, everybody keeps talking about that. I don't know where I, I, I can't relate to that. I, I don't know what that is. I guess that must be some nouveau deal. I mean, but for sure, you put a little, you know, fertilizer, a little water and you get a, you know, you can bear a little fruit. Sure. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you always would rather win. It's not like we're drinking any Kool-Aid. I mean, you know, so we're going to take that win in the right way that it was, which is, okay, guys, you know, we needed to come back and play a better second half. We needed to do that as a program because we, we didn't do that the week before. And we did that. And that was good. And yes, to your point, especially in offense, okay, because offense had, was very good the first two weeks. I mean, I mean, I don't know what to tell everybody. It's a lot of yardage to be putting up. You know, in fact, I think before last week's game, I don't know where it is now. We were, I want to say we were 31 in the country in, in total offense and we were 41 in the country in, in rushing. That was on an 0-2 team against good teams. We didn't have the advantage of playing some slappers. So we you know, say, oh, well, you know, you play. they're still an SEC team. I mean, I don't know everybody, you know, delusional. But um, so that's where we were offensively, statistically, if you're into statistics. Okay. Um, so my, my, my point is, is that what we need to do is come in and have a better second half. And we have also played against like I thought last week, exceptionally so for the offense. When you play a team like like we played the week before, we knocked them off the ball. That was evident to everybody, you know. But when we played this team, those yards were hard to come by. We still averaged over four yards a carry. And we didn't have any – it wasn't like we had big hits to skew that average. The biggest hit we had came back with seven points off the, for a penalty. So we went four yards to carry the hard way. On our second drive of the game, we had 15 play drive against what I would consider to be a really strong front seven. We had a 15 play drive. Yeah, that's hard. And we, and we went 15 plays, and I forgot how much time we took off the clock, and we only got three points out. Okay? So that's a lot of offense. That means your defense is on the field, on the sideline, resting. That we played a lot of complimentary football. That's all the positive stuff that probably just you know. Again, you can make a story any way you want with stats. You can twist them and formulate them, and you can do a lot of things if you want to do it. Here's the clear reality: we didn't do well on third down. Part of that was because we were in too many third longs, and part of that was because we took too many shots on first down for play actions and or nakeds that, that that's the reality of, of what happened in that game. Okay. But what we did do to your point in the very beginning was we went on the road and took away a win from a team that people were real high on after essentially, you know, playing Notre Dame down to the last seconds of the game at Notre Dame. And that was real. That was true. That happened. That was on the tape. And the way the reason why that was was because they were really good on defense, and they were really good on defense on Saturday. Probably what they didn't count on was our defense playing to the level our defense played at. You follow me? And the fact that we played complementary football, which never gets discussed, like the second drive, fifteen plays, 
a lot. Okay. So there's a lot of ways that you have to skin it when you're, you know, in a season. And your hope is that you can play complementary football. And if there's a deficit on one side, there's a there's a bonus on the other side. That's that's complementary football. And then, you know, we had a we had a spark with Tadpole's punt return, which was beautiful. That was a really good thing. But we work really hard on special teams here. Really hard. And then does anybody talk about Stoney's flipping of the field? I mean, you know, he had a couple punts where it was like one of them was sixty something yards with with unbelievable hang time. I mean, it's it's uh, so there's there's a lot of pieces here, and then you know so, but we ran the ball and we stopped the run, and those that's a darn good place to start. A darn good place to start. Khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. But water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly like non